And welcome back to episode 80 of the Weekly Tech Rant with me, Jay. And me, Carl. Well, Carl, it has been a busy world. A busy world? Yes, it's been a very busy world. It's been a very busy oh. week this, uh, in the world of cybersecurity this week is what I was trying to it's say. It's been a roller coaster. It has indeed. And, you know, we've been following suit on the big stories of the week, which we're going to cover tonight. And, you know, we're also post-COVID. So I am COVID-free, thankfully. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, over I'm double uh, negative, COVID-free. It's awesome. Over and, over and done with... with <laughs> <laughs> what ended up being a double COVID all round, wasn't it? So, uh, yep. yes, it was not good. So, as I said, it has been a busy week in the world of cybersecurity, I managed to say it this time. Um, and we're going to cover a follow-up from a story we talked about last week around this uh, lapsus uh, gang or group, whatever you want to call yep. them, uh, who have been very busy, actually, in the last seven days and have, uh, have. kind of up They have the a work ante. ethic, don't they? They really do, actually. Quite impressive. But we're also going to cover some acquisitions this evening. We're going to talk uh, rockets. We're going to talk Apple. <laughs> yes, Apple again. And we might even talk some games. And we're also going to give you a bit of a change of pace and talk about Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard Season 2 and 4, respectively, uh, which are one of them has finished, one is underway. And you know, our thoughts as we like to peruse the best of star trek on this show but first let's get into the main stories of the week so talking acquisitions then so again google has been back out and about splashing the cash in hasn't it they have they bought what, what we talked last week they bought all those audio companies uh and mandiant didn't they uh so not quite as much money we don't think uh, <laughs> as mandiant but uh, no figure on this one but they have bought a company called raxium who, um, they're a startup, well, startup, five-year-old, small company, uh, who make micro-LED displays uh, used in augmented and mixed reality devices. Although they haven't actually released a commercial product yet, have they? So it's still in the kind of design phase. Yeah, I was going to say, they're kind of one of these companies that have got products, but yeah, like you say, haven't really released anything. The technology is is the product, isn't it, I suppose, rather than commercial uh, aspects. But I mean, Google and AR... um, really haven't got a particularly good history. Check of history. <laughs> I mean, as a, as one of the articles, one of the sources in this article was one on Ars Technica, wasn't it? And there was a headline yep. in that, which I think is brilliant, of this particular article. It says, says, the VR and AR contribute a lot to the Google graveyard. Yes, the Google graveyard of failed products or products that have just become unloved <laughs> have been sent out and put to pasture. Um, yeah, it's Google got one. We had uh, Google Cardboard, wasn't it? Uh, yes, really it was... that's what they use a phone for. We're using it as a Google Daydream, wasn't it? That's right. So Google Cardboard was that you could fold it uh, up a kit, wasn't it? You could get and put your phone yeah. in there, and he got like a VR headset of sorts. Um, yeah, Daydream was a standalone, more um, I guess, want to say more commercial headset, wasn't it? It was uh, a yeah. classic, very nice looking though. It had that sort of they have it on the the Google Nest hubs, isn't it? That kind of like um, checkered yeah, that mesh sort of fabric kind of thing. Plastic. Yeah, 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 all around it. And you kind of clipped your phone into it, didn't you? And it was a more had a remote control and a bit more oh, classy yeah, a bit affair. More substance to it. Yeah, definitely. You probably could pick one up on. And eBay. of course, Google Glass for AR. Yes, Google Glass for AR. Yep. You know, again, that um, yeah, that does that's does not go there. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, the Raxium have been purchased uh, to help bolster their AR support, um, you know, to help them build mixed reality devices. Again, as you say, there's no word on what they're going to be doing with them. There's no idea of what capable products are here, but, you know, clearly Google sees it. Well, I imagine it's going into, is it Project Iris? I think we've talked about in the past. That's their 
alleged new AR headset. Oh uh, yes, that's like the, the, the like, is that the alleged like Apple headset? Then they're in the same, they're like they're in the that's same the product why. set. That's the one. Everyone wants a bit of micro LED. So it's the it's the in technology for VR headsets because you get the kind of color reproduction of OLED, uh, but also the fast response times of uh, LCDs. Well, clearly they see value in it, don't they? I guess it's you know something yeah. they're going to move on. We all know everybody's moving to AR VR. It's you know it doesn't matter who you are, what you what product you make, what technology you have. AR VR is the stuff of dreams, isn't it? <laughs> it's the metaverse. <laughs> Don't say it. I was trying not to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is the, the metaverse. But, you know, I guess, you know, soon I suppose we'll have a kind of TVs with AR capability, won't we, built in. You know, you better lift up and um, you'll see, uh, you know, I think stuff pop out your TV, I suppose, like that. And, you know, there's all yeah. kinds of things, isn't there, that could happen here um, around that. But I don't know. I I still don't think we're ready for it full time yet. Um, there are commercial no. applications, you know, when you look at some of the AR, you know, like the billboards that do AR, they're quite clever, aren't they? Where the projectiony stuff like comes out the building, doesn't it? You see, like, there was that one oh, with a lion, yeah. wasn't there? Do you remember? Couple where that was, there was a lion, wasn't there? It was kind of like prowling around the side of a building, but that because was it, of the, yeah. the projection of it, it, it was a three D model. Um, so yeah, I definitely think there's 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 room for those kind of stuff, but yeah, AR, I think, you know, in the house, in the home is still limited at this stage. Though Google do do a good line of AR. Have you, have you seen their, um, the, the Google animals that you can do? No. So Google have uh, an AR animal. So if you go to, uh, like on, um, uh, the Google search, yeah. And you like, um, search for i think like a tiger or something or i don't know great white shark it pops up a list of 3d animals and then you can get your phone and you um put the cat put it flick the button and put a camera and it and it, okay. and it and it does ar and shows the tiger lion whatever shark in your house or in front of you in life size oh nice no i had not seen that one i might have to play yes. with that later yeah, it's quite clever. You just have to go to you know Google.com, search um, and search for the animals. Or you, there's a cool. list of them. I think if you do a list of three D animals, there's but I think about sort of twenty, thirty of them. Um, even oh, a unicorn. Interesting. <laughs> even a unicorn. Yes. Nice. So Google are the Google are the only people though this week who have been spending money as well, aren't they? And we've also had some cybersecurity cash splashes outside of the Mandiant deal. Sentinel One, who are uh, well, Sentinel One are pretty up and coming. Um, Endpoint security organization, aren't they? So they're, uh, uh, well, how long have they been around now? I, I, you know, I was trying to look this up. Uh, five years, am I? Is that a bit, maybe a bit longer than that? Oh, I'm not sure. But they, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, actually 2013, I take it back. So nearly, nearly 10 a bit years. longer, yeah. Yeah. So they're, you know, they technically they're a startup still. Um, I, I yeah. think if you've been around for 10 years, you're not a startup. Um, it's, it's, it's debatable, isn't it? <laughs> um, you just maybe just a small company. Yeah. So they do a lot of machine learning uh, within their endpoint security. They cover, you know, the, you know, uh, classic endpoints, the new IT, yeah. the new cloud workloads. So they're quite an impressive company. Got a lot of press recently. Um, but they've just made an acquisition of what's it? Called? How would you pronounce it? Ativo Networks? Is that Ativo that... Networks? Yeah, I yeah. think so. so yeah. So uh, who are an identity? Um, Identity, oh god, I can't, brain isn't working. You're an identity threat detection response. Thank company. you, that was the word I was looking for. Which XDR isn't it? Uh, all that kind of well, stuff. Oh no, that, that's Sentinel yeah. One. Oh, sorry, Sentinel One visibility. Uh, so XDR is um, what do they call it? Extended detection and response. 
So that's about bringing in all, scanning the network, bringing all your logs, trying to detect stuff before it happens or as it's happening. So obviously there's a Tiva who does the same kind of thing with identity threat detection, kind of plugging that into the XDR product makes makes good sense. Thank you. Do you know what? I had it written on my notes here and I knew what XDR is. You know when you're kind of reading something and you just, the words are like, that's not the Just right gibberish. <laughs> but yes, identity um, is a hot topic. We have talked about identity quite a lot in the last year um and we're going to talk a bit more about identity in just a minute um but yeah xdr is is the way forward now we're away from the classic traditional signature based av that is dead in the ground you know xdr oh, yeah. is the way forward zero trust security uh, and that threat detection and identity uh, sorry threat detection and response is yeah you know, how uh red teams and blue, uh, sorry blue teams today protect organizations and you know sentinel one are up there along with people like CrowdStrike, uh, yeah. Trellix, who uh, I discovered are the, the name for <laughs> McAfee and FireEye, aren't they? Which is like, who the hell is Trellix? Oh, yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're getting into it. But, you know, Ativo were about the same. I didn't realize they were about the same age. So they were 11 years old. Um, they weren't quite as big as uh, Sentinel One. You know, I think they were kind of less than $100 no. million dollars in, in, in um, VC funding over the time. But clearly it fits well with Sentinel One's product lineup and what they want to do here and it's going to yeah. really kind of round out their portfolio i think based on you know what they're suggesting uh it, you know it's going to do there but you know cybersecurity is still a hot topic isn't it and you know it is you know last year in 2021 there were over 77 billion dollars worth of acquisitions in that industry wowza you know i guess second only probably to gaming industries at the moment <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of money going on there at the moment but yeah, so zero trust is absolutely key for pretty much all organizations. So, you know, the basis of, um, you know, uh, identity and access to verify users, it's a least privilege, isn't it? So rather than being saying you've got all the rights, it's a case of, well, you know, we'll give you the rights you need to do your job or access that application or tool set. And off you go. And, uh, you know, today, if you use single sign on, many organizations do where you have, a, you know, an entity provider, you sign in, uh, that's the whole part of a zero trust um, proposition. So, yeah, nice play there, Sentinel One. And uh, I'm sure Ativo is going to fit nicely into your portfolio lineup. I look forward to seeing what you do with them in the near future. But talking of cybersecurity, as yeah. I said in the in the warm up, the Lapsus gang group organization, whatever we're going to call them, have been rather busy, haven't they again? They are on a roll at the moment. So you know, <laughs> not only have they hacked uh, NVIDIA, Ubisoft, Samsung, among others, we have two more, more big names to add to that list. Oh, they uh, have been Micro whales. Oh. <laughs> Microsoft. Uh, and not necessarily the biggest, but arguably, arguably the biggest impact, Okta, who are a single sign-on identity provider. <laughs> zero trust. About what? <laughs> zero trust or don't trust them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're used by what? 15,000 organizations, apparently. So when we get to speaking about the Okta breach, um, it could have wide ramifications. Yeah, I think so. We'll, and, you know, stress there could, I think, is the inverted, have that inverted yeah. commas there uh, based on some of the, the, the fallout there. But yeah, I think so. The first kind of big thing that broke uh, before the Okta story was. Uh, Microsoft um, is investigating lapses 
boast or claim, I should say, uh, of source yeah. code. So the 37 gig of data has been had been reported of, to have source code been stolen from Microsoft and has yeah. been leaked. And that includes, keep me honest here, Carl, uh, that includes um, Bing, Cortana, Edge, um, as well as Bing some codes, uh, Bing Maps and some code signing certificates as well, isn't there in there? Yes, yes, it's run around Twitter that allegedly they have multiple code signs to bits from Microsoft. So, I mean, it was bad enough having the NVIDIA ones, but uh, yeah, Microsoft is everywhere. Yeah, and this, you know, this is particularly concerning, you know, because Microsoft have, have, have stated publicly that they're fully aware of the claims from the Lapsus Group. They are investigating. Um, and it what what's, has come transpired is that on the... Um, the Telegram channel that lapses have to promote themselves. I mean, you know, everybody needs PR, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. They posted screenshots uh, of them breaking into Microsoft's internal dev development environment, um, which, as you say, showed, um, you know, engineering projects being Cortana source code. Uh, those have already been deleted, though, off the Telegram channel, haven't they? Apparently, according to some sources. The screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again, that was just that was a taster. It is a taster. So again, this is, you know, another large claim from them uh, following on from the NVIDIA strike where they said that they stole uh, over a terabyte of data, which they've been posting and drip feeding. Some of that has been cross verified uh, with third parties, hasn't it, on the net. Has, We've also yeah. seen uh, Samsung Raid. Again, there was over nearly 200 gig of data stolen from Samsung, which included yep. Galaxy source code, you know. Uh, yeah. And there also was Ubisoft, wasn't it? It was the other one. Ubisoft was the other it the, was, the yeah. one there as well. Uh, plus, again, the breaches with all of the telcos that they were doing in the around um, South America, particularly Brazil. Yeah. Now, Microsoft is is overly concerning, not because you know nobody is impenetrable. I think that's the claim. You know, we've got to be very clear here. No, not at all. Know. But obviously, to hit such a whale of a target as Microsoft and steal, you know, the source codes to their products is quite concerning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it it is. It's it's no small feat, though, is it? Uh, no, it's not. I, it's kind of the mind boggles, but I I think the Octa hack might have something to do with it. It might have a lot to do with a lot of these hacks they've done recently. It might be the source of it. But I say we say might because we don't know for sure, and it's kind of an ongoing story. The Octa one. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably a good segue to to kind of to talk about. It. So, yeah, so news broke yesterday, didn't it? Um, publicly i should say that last only yesterday it seems like it's been forever <laughs> well i think it well the some of the screenshots started to leak in the last 24 hours really didn't they yeah um of lapsus had posted to the telegram channel um screenshots of what they claimed at the time to be screenshots of octa's internal environment uh their slack channels there was uh access to um customer, super admin account super yeah. admin account customer you know information um, as well as other data that they said. Yeah. I've got to pause there for a second because this this is a claim by Lapsus that is disputed yeah. by Okta themselves, isn't it? So I think, you know, it's probably a good point here to, to kind of, I guess, yeah, be very clear that Okta actually admit that there was a potential attack, wasn't there, back in January. Do they? Their story has changed multiple times over the last 24 hours. Well, and even okay. now, the latest statements contradict themselves within the well, same statement. Well, that's the worry, isn't it? So if we, if we go back then, let's go back to yesterday. 
um yeah when when todd mckinnon isn't it who's the 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 ceo of okta posted yeah. a statement saying that yes we were fully aware of a breach back in january um wasn't it saying that you know they were aware of a yeah. breach um it was linked back to a third-party customer support engineer working for yeah, yeah. Working for a processor, a subcontracted company, and it was contained within that incident. They were fully aware of it. Yep. They did an investigation. There was no lateral movement, um, and they said that it was basically, you know, they closed it down, didn't they? Yeah, they said look, they they believe the screenshots are from those dates, um, and there's no yeah no evidence of ongoing malicious activity beyond the one detected in January. But then very shortly after they put out a, a second statement a bit later in the day, didn't they? Uh, just uh, just basically saying that you know, the auto service has not been breached, remains fully operational, uh, that no corrective actions that need to be taken by their customers. And they restated that, you know, they detected an unsuccessful attempt to compromise the account of the customer support engineer working for a third party provider. Well, hmm. And also, they clarified that you know these support engineers can kind of have a limited access to data. They could access Jira tickets and lists of users, um, and they could reset passwords and multi-factor authentication for, for users. Uh, and they obviously said that it's only been for five days. Well, <laughs> Lapsis kind of poked a bit of fun out of this one, didn't they? Yeah, they they yes, yeah, basically. And they just tore the statement apart. They said, well, one, you stated it's a third-party contractor's laptop. It was actually a Finn client. So you can't even get the basics right. Uh, how can you say it's unsuccessful if we got access to the super user admin account? I kind of agree with that one, really. Yep, I get How can you say it's an unsuccessful yeah. hack if we've got screenshots of access to the super user admin accounts? <sighs> say that's a pretty successful hack, wouldn't you? Uh, it is. I mean, the other thing, I guess, though, that, you know that you have to be i guess is be aware of here is that there was another factor to this story isn't there as well that yeah um lapses themselves uh had actually been uh recruiting people hadn't they so they had uh microsoft posted um on their blog on the 22nd uh so what uh, yesterday um from the microsoft um intelligence center they posted a, a a blog around what they're calling um, Dev Dev Dash Zero Five Three Seven, which is a group which is also known as yep. Lapsus, and you know they've mentioned that you know um, Lapsus is known for pure exploitation and destruction model without deploying ransomware payloads, and that they were yep. originally started targeting customers in the U.S. Sorry, United Kingdom and South America, but expanded. Um, what they've said is that Microsoft said that they've known to take over individual user accounts at crypto exchanges as well and drain holdings. Now, what they also discovered was that um, they had been posting uh, recruitment jobs <laughs> at Lapsus yeah. Jobs, asking for employees or insiders at following companies. Um, and they were any communications and they had Telefonica, Clara, AT&T, large corporations, yeah. Microsoft. Apple, yep. EA, IBM, other. And then they also went on to say people like uh, call centers and server hosts such as OVH, local web. Yep. We're not looking for data. We're looking for the employee to provide us a VPN hmm, or Citrix to the network or any desk. And then it goes yep. on to say, uh, if you're not an employee, but you have access, then we're still interested. If you're not sure if you're needed, drop us a DM, we'll respond and we'll pay you. <laughs> I mean, talk about job adverts. If you want. Um, 
Yeah. So they also seen them do swim sim swapping as well here. So this yeah, you know, these guys are gaining access. So what you have to ask here with this particular third party is was this an exhortation? Did they hack it? Or is this an insider access? Now there have been people posting across the web, whoever this this third party is, yeah. uh, their names. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to, you know, reference that at no. all because that's all right. But yeah, I think there is more to this claim than Of course. Octave and they did go on to say that in their countermeasure. They said they, they, you know, well, one they say that uh, you know your company supports zero trust. Uh, why do you support engines seem to have an awful lot of access? For example, eight. <laughs> this one person had access to what eight and a half thousand Slack Slack channels, internal ones. Yeah. Uh, they say that you know you've claimed this laptop was compromised, but in that case, surely you can give us some information about suspicious IP addresses, you know, IOCs. Which kind of leads into what you're saying that the fact it's probably not a compromised laptop. They probably just paid someone off for access. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what was the other one? You know, oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you're committed to transparency. Won't you hire an independent firm like Mandian and actually publish the report? I'm sure it'll be very different from your report. Well, this is it, isn't it? Because <clears throat> Okta themselves and their chief security officer put the statement out, wasn't it, uh, today, the updated one today, as you say that gave a whole timeline from January the 20th to, to yesterday. And in that statement, he states that I'm greatly disappointed by the long period of time that transpired from our notification to the third party, who yeah. is Cytel, so I will say it because they've said it, um, and the issue of complete investigation report. Um, you know, they're saying that on reflection, they should have, once they got the report from them, um, they should have moved more swiftly. So yeah. did they, did they, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, did they not believe this? Did they not see a threat here? I don't know. I mean, obviously, lapses are still saying we've had access for two whole months, not five days. But, but even if you found this back yeah. in January, five, you know, surely you should have put an alert pretty much immediately saying we've potentially been compromised, change your passwords, whatever, while we investigate. But to say just nothing for two months and only reply when you got called out. And then it goes on to say, doesn't it, in that statement that, They've tried to work out the what they say is the blast radius for this, and that the yeah. um, examined all of the access performed by all of the Cytel employees to the super user application for five days in period yeah. in question, and they've analysed over one hundred twenty five thousand log entries, and what they've determined is um, three hundred sixty six customers could be impacted. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, they they updated their updated statement, didn't they? A few hours later, saying that. And again, they, they keep restating that no creative action uh, is needed by our customers. Uh, but yeah, then, then they go on to basically say that approximately 2.5% of our customers may yeah. have had their data accessed. Which is the 360. Yeah. So, but it's okay. We of, haven't been compromised. If you're, so if you're one of those 366 customers, surely by now you'd want to know, or, well, A, you'd hope to be that you've been contacted. That's the uh, They issue. say they have, yes. And... Where do you go from here? Because the whole thing, if you, the whole premise of Okta, isn't it? And the other companies like them, like Ping, uh, One Login, etc., uh, yeah. and also Microsoft in a funny kind of way, isn't it? With um, yeah, it was strange to see Microsoft because Microsoft are a customer of Okta, even though they have Azure SSO. Mm, that, yeah, but again, that's another weird. That's another whole story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, for years, IT teams have been told 
don't run AD on premise. Don't try and do federated access, you know, through, you know, trying to get people to sign in and everything. Um, don't get everybody to sign up, you know, for every different account. What you need is identity and access provider who can do single sign on uh, through a single, you know, identity provider such as Okta or whoever. Um, you know, that's yep. the same way to do it. You know, uh, one password, best way, you know, put it in the cloud. You can see loads of organizations now going, why the hell have we done this? Because actually we've just compromised ourselves or we've, you know, allowed ourselves to be compromised because we've given ourselves a single point of failure. And I suppose, you know, the um, is yes, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate, but yeah, you know, was it any safer before? I don't know. Is it any safer now? I don't know. Is that, there's that argument that most users just use the same password to change a number on the end. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole, yeah. So yes, you're having, yeah, I if you suppose if you've got one decent password with a multi-factor authentication, it's better than what you had before. I just, I don't know. There, I suppose there are multiple arguments either way here. The other thing I guess you have to look at at this point is this: what access did this super admin really have to? I don't know, company XYZ's tenant. Yeah, because surely, as a SaaS company here, you shouldn't just be able to stroll into your customer's tenant. And access their systems because that, in theory, would mean that you then have to create an account on their back end. And surely that shouldn't be the case because it would be one thing saying that as a SaaS, I mean, you and I both work to SaaS companies. Oh, yeah. You, you know, and I know that it is possible for customer admins, uh, sorry, what well, it's just customer support admins, I should stress, yep. to legitimately access your customer information from yes, the back yes, end. Yes, it is. Uh, and that's, you know, through legitimate reasons and with the customer's knowledge to access, you know, to try and troubleshoot to do things. That doesn't mean, though, that they can access the whole of the customer infrastructure and back in there, especially from an identity and access perspective, because there are federated services here. You are talking to other platforms, which could be AD. It could be other, um, you know, LDAP sources, for example. Yep. Where, how, you know, the, I'm just thinking, you know, where's the lateral movement here? And I, I appreciate there are probably... Well, I suppose it depends. You, you can use uh, platforms like Okta and Ping to create users on your other system. Your, your Okta becomes yeah, your true. single source yeah. of truth. You create the account there, give it the privilege of, I don't know, VPN, for example, and it gets automatically created in your Cisco VPN system. Great, I've now got access to that, and I start that moving through the network. Well, that yeah. Well, I suppose that is that's it. Yeah, you're right. If you if you're doing it that way, as you say, to keep up to the you know the single source of truth, yeah, you're going to have those concerns. I suppose you know it is going to it is going to spin up accounts or uh, give privileges where they shouldn't be. Um, yeah. But I guess then, well, no, I suppose at that point the multi-factor authentication piece is is also corrupted, isn't it? Because you could then gain access to create tokens. Well, yeah. On... If you've used it to create a new account, you can put your own MFA on there, can't you? Yeah, that's a bit. I this you know, it was I guess what we're seeing here, and worst case scenario. And again, we must stress you know from from the Octus point Octus point of view, is as far as they are concerned and are telling publicly you know there has not been a breach in the sense of a full on you know customer database drop. Yeah. And actually, Elapsus themselves said that didn't they? They weren't after Octus data. Yeah, they, they said, Elapsa said they haven't taken any of Okta's data. They were obviously using it as a way to access other systems. Yeah, they weren't interested in Okta per se, per se were they? Um, 
<laughs> which made me laugh. You know, they were like, we didn't, you know, we were after your customers. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not big know, enough that we actually wanted data. We just want access to your customers. Yeah, yeah you were the, you were the stepping stone. Um, but you know, this was just a matter of time. I think to be to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, I think this is the first big one, and I'm sure there are going to be more revelations to come here because. Uh, I hate to say it, Lapsus' story keeps staying the same and Octus keeps changing, which is not a great look for a security company. Uh, I mean, it sounds like they're just finding out as they go along. That's a, it's a tough way to do a breach um, notification, though, isn't it? It's not the way you should be doing it. No. No. But, I mean, no. can you imagine? I mean, let's be, to be honest with you, you wouldn't want to be in that blue team at, at uh, Okta right now, would you? I mean, because that is not something you want to wake up to. No, you wouldn't want to be in the sales team either, though, would you? No, that's going to be a very hard <laughs> sell for a few weeks. If you're if you're in the middle of, uh, you know, any uh, sales deals. Sales cycles. Which, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, but they probably were. Lots of them were. There was probably some, there's probably some very tough conversations being had there. And uh, my, you know, you and I both know people there. So, uh, you know, certainly. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Quite a few people there. We'd, don't want to, you know, no, um, no disparagement there at all. You know, it is a very good company. I want to stress that, you know, have a lot of time and respect for the company. And this is not necessarily their fault per se, um, but this is definitely an eye opener to how they operate with their third yeah. parties. Um, it's not been handled well. No, no. Uh, it is <laughs> probably an example of how not to do things. But again, you know, we are... It is just, you know, it's 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 a like you say, a fast moving situation, and you know things are going to come out um, over time. But yeah, lapses are not finished here by any standard. You know, we are going to see more from them. Um, but it's kind of another viewpoint here, though, isn't there? From 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 the point of view is that you know, are who are lapses? What are they doing? Because early indications were that they were not particularly professional. They were no. hitting targets locally within what appeared to be South America at the time, but now they're you know they're they're out there you know hunting whales, going for everyone, and they seem to be you know very very technical, uh, technically proficient. Yep, they're not they're not doing damage to the sense of, you know, they're not, this isn't ransomware. They're not dropping, you know, like a wanna cry. Yeah. They're not you know. disabling systems as such. You know, this is, this is like armed robbery. They're kicking the doors in, they're grabbing the stuff and they're out, they're out the other yeah. side before anybody really works out what's going on, isn't it? But it, you know, it's a yeah. bit more finesse than that because there's, you know, they're upfront about it. As we just said, they're, you know, they're looking for ways in through insiders. Uh, they are publicly, announcing what they've done they're dropping those screenshots to say well actually you're lying you know we did do this yeah um and there's a lot of social engineering going on here as well isn't there there's you know there the, is the, yeah the swim stopping there's personal accounts they're targeting people we just said they're paying there's probably a supply chain issue here as well uh there's definitely a, something happening here what what i think the concern for a lot of organizations is now the insider risk because of the fact that they've said they're paying oh yeah but ultimately, who are they and what are they doing is the, is the question. I do wonder, are we seeing a nation state here? 
I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting it is any nation state per se, but what I'm kind of getting at is that yeah, the, it's almost like those early ones were kind of just a bit like a uh, ruse. Yeah, testing the water kind of thing. And now it's bang, 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 you know. But and they keep Yeah, the, those early ones are all around South America. Was that just a setup to make it look like they're a South American gang? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyone can appear to be from South America with a VPN. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, the, they expanded their tax. They initially, they the early from what from the Microsoft uh, investigation says that you know the early attacks were early on were cryptocurrency thefts, but then it moved into the telecoms industry within South yeah. America, and now, yeah. It's it's way above that. It's huge. What are we going to see next? Are we going to see governments? Are we going to see you know utilities? Um, and what's what is the end game here? Because the they're just dropping data. They're not you know they're not going give us a million dollars whatever or tell us do this. They're just they you know they are well, just not not that we've seen. Uh, you know it came out about Nvidia, but. I believe they did the same to Samsung. They wanted a ransom. Maybe we just not heard about it from Okta and Microsoft yet. No, I mean you're not really going to. I mean Microsoft are not going to go play ransom games, are they? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, not. It's just. It's like being in the cage with a gorilla. Uh, can I have the banana, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You can uh, become the banana, but you're not having the banana. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, it's it's they're not going to do it. Um, just is yeah, it's 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 a very interesting. But when you read through it, you know, they're going for the same. They're going for many vulnerabilities. Typically, um, in operations, DevOps stuff, so Confluence, Jira, were things like where they're going for. Yeah, they were going through other known, um, you know, recovery things. So again, social engineering to beat uh, password recovery tools. You know, like, okay, you know, yeah, what's, what's your mother's maiden name? That kind of stuff. Um, so classic stuff, you know, a lot of this is standard techniques, but I think it's just the aim here. We're not seeing, you know, this isn't like anonymous, is it? Like, you know, we are here to ruin your day. Um, yeah. There doesn't appear, at least publicly at this time, does there, to be a uh, an outcome here, a target? No, no, there doesn't. <sighs> you know, it's, it is, I just, I, I just find it odd and maybe, you know, it is, it's just puzzling, you know? And it's it's yeah. What it, is that end game? Yeah, what is the end game? You know, like you say, you compromise Nvidia, you steal a terabyte of their data, um, you make a demand to remove crypto mining, well, and open source drivers. Okay. Yeah. But then you, but then you break into Samsung, and steal the the source codes for you know for the for phones, and when you break into Ubisoft. You again have a stroll around, you know, their systems and that, um, and have a wander past, you know, uh, you know, disrupting some of the online stuff. And you know, again with Okta, again, you're not, you don't care about Okta. You're after who they, what their customers are. So yeah, it's the access it gives you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's very puzzling, isn't it? Because the timing of it, given the situation in Ukraine, which of course mm. is still ongoing terribly. Would it, you know you could um you could you know say uh 
it's uh, you know like a Russian operation here. But it's too obvious. That's that's just too obvious, isn't yeah. it? You know, you know the other ones you could say would be North Koreans, but I'd be if it was North Korean, you'd expect more of the extortion, more of the the money side of yeah. things. In, in you know, especially around crypto. Yeah, because typically that's what a lot of their deals have been. You know, their their attacks have been done because you know they need the money. So extortion has been the, you know the big play there yeah. for a lot of them. It is just puzzling, I think, here with. This that there's no clear, at least as I say, I must stress, no publicly clear uh, reason. But I don't know. I just it's a very very peculiar situation, and you know, bad news for all of the people obviously that have been affected. I'm going to breathe now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll pick up the next one then. So uh, a bit a bit of a move away from cybersecurity. Uh, NASA has finally rolled out the SLS, the Space Launch System, haven't they? Ah, uh, yes, the super large. I was going to say shuttle, but it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, no, it's a launch system. Uh, but yeah, they, they trundled it out on its eleven-hour journey to the primary launch pad, didn't they? Thirty-nine uh, for a wet, yeah. yeah, for a wet dress rehearsal. So um, it's going to sit there until April. Well, they'll uh, basically get it what ready for complete launch, and then they. Kill it at what nine seconds, don't they? Somewhere around there yeah. before they actually uh, light the main engines. Yeah, it's a big boy. It is one hell of a rocket. So this is, as you say, the the SLS, the space launch, um, space launch system. You know, classic, classy yep. naming there, NASA, classy. Um, which is yeah, which will launch the Art is it, yeah Artemis Artemis mission. one. Which um, yeah. is all part of that, as you say, dress rehearsal, uh, which ultimately will take the Orion capsule uh, and the crew at some point in the next couple of years. And 10 uh, CubeSats. Thank you. To the moon. Um, so yeah. when it does launch, uh, so the Artemis mission, which is, is that the uncrewed one? Is it? That's the, the first one. Yeah, it's the uncrewed one. This is scheduled for it's, it's sometime this summer, I think ju- July. Yeah, so that's going to launch. That is going to take uh, the uncrewed uh, Orion capsule all the way to the moon, do a little loop loop yeah. around the moon and come home, um, which will be the first time since December the 7th, 1972, when the last Saturn V was launched uh, with a with Apollo 17 on board uh, that yeah. went to the moon. That is a long time. Wow. Um, you know, I... <sighs> I think uh, there's no irony loss there in the timing, is there? <laughs> no, no. You know, because uh, it's been a long time, you know, uh, 50 years uh, between moon landings. Uh, okay, it's a gonna long be slightly time more than how much we did. Yeah. You know, in that short space of time from 69 to 72, uh, and then nothing. Now, it doesn't mean obviously nobody went to space, but I mean the, the moon, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we definitely um, went to space. Oh, we've definitely been to space. But yeah, it's, it's one hell of a rocket, though, the, the SLS. Uh, fantastically over budget, costing a oh. small fortune uh, to launch. Um, but 4.1 once... billion per launch. Uh, yeah, uh, it's an expensive bit of kit. That's um, not a reusable air... It's not a reusable craft either, is it? That's, that's no, uh, disposable. It comes... It comes in slightly smaller as well, doesn't it, than the Saturn V. So I think it's just under... And Starship. Well, I was going to say that, yeah. So the SLS is just under 
100 meters, uh, 98.1. Saturn V was over about 110 meters. And yes, Elon Musk's Starship is 120 meters tall. Um, yeah. And that's not where the, the comparisons end, is it? Because actually Starship no. uh, <laughs> will actually take be more powerful and be able to lift uh, more cargo as well into space when it launches, isn't it? Well, yeah, they're, they're taking that. There's, there's two slightly different approaches here, obviously, other than one being disposable and one being reusable. But um, you know, it, I think SLS in its biggest form is it the Block 2 cargo configuration, which That's isn't the... the one they've rolled out to the, the launch pad. That can send 46 tonnes to the moon. Well, Starship does it a bit different. So Starship can do 100 tonnes to lower 4-bit, 21 tonnes to geostationary. But it's actually been designed to be refueled in orbit. So technically, you can take that 100 tons up to low Earth orbit, refuel, and send 100 tons onto the moon. Which is kind of what needs to be done, isn't it? Because that was the whole premise originally, wasn't it? Of having, uh, you know, things like the ISS yep. and Space Lab, those kind of, you know, and Mir, was the point was, you know, it was envisaged that we'd have... Uh, space station as a refueling point, wouldn't it? So you'd launch yeah. into space, you'd refuel uh, or connect to, you know, it's like the classic sci-fi movies, isn't it? You know, you connect, connect to, to a, a big bigger... rocket only there. And, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then you'd be able to, uh, uh, you know, go on to wherever it may be. I'm guessing, you know, that's going to be um, Mars is probably the most obvious target, let's be honest. Yeah, of it? course. You know? um, I still think in our lifetime, there will be a Mars landing. I really do. I think there will be. Um, definitely, definitely. I don't know whether or not that'll be, uh, you know, the kind manned. of you know, manned maybe, but I think we will see, and, and I don't, well, I think we will see like, you know, the Orion or whatever follows it or a Starship land yeah. on Mars to test it, do it and come back. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the days of, you know, what they're envisaging, you know, landing on Mars, astronauts from wherever it may be, you know, then strolling over to the the Pathfinders and the other Vikings, yeah. and of course, you know, taking the samples out, isn't it? And bringing them back—that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, yeah. But first, obviously, is the moon. So you know, the whole point of Orion is to get back to the moon get to back test to the moon. and to to build a, a habitat on the moon to basically then use that as a launch pad as well, um, theoretically, yeah, uh, to to Mars there as well. But yeah, Elon Musk definitely is chasing that Starship. It isn't quite ready yet, though, is it? It's uh, no, it's not. Had its own fair share of problems. <laughs> it has, but one thing I, I'm struggling to find: I couldn't find an actual launch, current launch price uh, for Starship. So obviously, we know it's 4.1 billion dollars per launch for uh, SLS. Couldn't find a current price for Starship, but Musk Musk does expect it to in the next two to three years. Once they got things fine tuned and being reusable, it would cost just. 10 million per launch. That's, and that's you know what? That's a tad different. It is. And the whole thing about Starship, though, isn't it, is that it's a much bigger uh, concept in terms of the, the crude section, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a, yeah. a different concept as opposed to the capsule of Orion. It's almost like the upper stage of the Starship would be the reusable and yeah. uh, landing capability. Um, it yeah. looks quite similar if anybody's watched... Um, oh, what's the... Um, Oh, the Mars film. There's a Mars film where um, they get stranded on Mars and they have to, uh, They not the Martian, there's another one where they have to send a team back to get it. Um, it's got Gary Sinise in it. I can't think of the name of the film. Um, but they've got quite know. large of these kind of large rockets um, that sit there waiting to take off, you know, a bit like the Starship mock-ups where they kind of sat there on these like landing okay. feet. 
yeah. Um, oh, what is that film? Um, get the bomb in Mars. Um, Mission to Mars. That's it. Mission to oh, Mars. Okay, it's got yeah. Gary Don Cheadle in it, and um, it's where they discover that the face on Mars, you know, is a. Uh, uh, actually, ah, you know, yeah. it's 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 aliens. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> always aliens. <laughs> always aliens. But yeah, but it's awesome. Uh, the, oh, yeah, aliens and DNS. Um, yeah. But no, it was definitely quite an awesome sight uh, to see. And the pictures of the SLS uh, sat on 39B oh. do invoke, really do invoke the classic age of space, don't they? Um, they do, yeah. Those pictures. So I can't wait to see this take off. Uh, that is going to be an impressive sight. Um, you know, and again, America's return to the stars, you know, following the launch of the crewed missions with the dragons. This is, you know, a momentous stage, I think, again, for the American space program. Uh, unlike the Russians, who are having some kind of fit, aren't they, at the moment? The head of Roscosmos. Um, <laughs> hey, take the man's microphone away and his Twitter yeah, account. He's not a happy bunny. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so moving on then, um, Apple, oh, Apple, Apple, Apple. So you may recall, if you've been listening to us for a little while, that Apple is having a bit of a fight with the Dutch government over um, in-app <laughs> in purchases. In purchases for dating applications. Yes, dating applications, uh, because that's uh, the whole process of this uh, law in the Netherlands around uh, in-app purchases. Um and they said that they would, you know, comply with the ruling. They would add in the capabilities, but they haven't done it. And they've now been fined again, <laughs> okay. which now, uh, which means that they've now been fined a total of forty-five million euros, um, which is the the ninth time. And yeah. when they get to ten, uh, which will, will be they the legal, they legal cap of fifty million, um, they can't be fined anymore. <laughs> Huh. This is rather convenient. Fifty million to Apple is a drop in the ocean, is it not? <laughs> it's nothing. It's not, I mean, it doesn't. I can't take very long to make that. Surely, a day, maybe, not even that. <laughs> I mean, so they were told, weren't they, um, way back uh, early last year, that they had to comply. Uh, you know, they did it, but Apple, in classic Apple fashion, made it as hard as possible for it to be done. Yeah. Um, and they still can't be doing it, and they've been fined another five million on top of it. So but it's they just... have submitted a new proposal, though, haven't they? But we don't know what's in the proposal yet. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's just another proposal. It's going to go round in circles. I'm it? surprised they didn't just at that point go, you know, on the very first thing. Well, here's just a fifty million. Let's call it quits. We'll put it on the table. You just take <laughs> we'll out. walk away. Yeah. You just take out, you know, the bits that you want. You know, it's just nuts, isn't it? It's just it is. It's not. It's not a serious. This is not Apple. Are not being serious. Apple are just like rolling with it, aren't they? It's just like I mean, who came up with this five million a week fine for max of fifty million? Well, whoever whoever in the uh, the Dutch government is getting a slap. They hadn't heard of Apple this. then, really, had they? Because <laughs> this is charity for them, isn't it? It's like <laughs> it's like you know They're probably, another five... it's probably a tax write off as well. <laughs> another five million to the Dutch government. Yeah, fair enough. Keep it going. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I oh, just good luck. Good to the Netherlands. Yep. We say good luck, but that's it. <sighs> you know. Oh, okay. All right. Just that. Get that out of the way then. So, Carl, do you remember Cyberpunk seventy seven? Oh boy, do I. That was a disappointment. That game that we both got in our Steam libraries, but I couldn't tell you the last time I played it. 
I actually paid full price for that one. It wasn't a Game Pass one, and that taught me, didn't it? It taught me too. I I went and bought it as well, and it had another it had another um like sixty, um, well like sixty gig update the other day. Oh, did it? I don't have it installed anymore. So I've still got it installed. I keep updating it. But yes, so Cyberpunk 77, which came out in 2020, uh, somewhat would say early than it was probably meant to be, wasn't it? Sony Um, would say that when they delisted it from the store and gave people their money back. So if you've been living under a rock and you're wondering what the hell is this game? Well, Cyberpunk 77 was a futuristic... um, open world role-playing game from the creators of the Witcher series, which was flawed, to say the least, on its release, wasn't it? In terms of capabilities, feature sets, playability. um, Yeah. Resource hog, full of bugs, nasty bugs, (laughs) game-ending bugs. Like, (laughs) one of the ones I just patched recently was, there's a particular wall, wall, that if you touch, you instantly die. Brilliant. I love it. Brilliant. I mean, how did that slip past Q&A? I mean, Why were you yeah. giving walls that kind of ability? It has been, I mean, it has probably been patched over 100 gig, I think, in terms of since you know, the day. Oh, easily. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's you know, a textbook example of how not to release a game. And, you know, which is really unfair because, you know, CD Projekt Red have fantastic back catalogue of games. Yeah, the Witcher series yeah. is their kind of ultimate uh, attempt to that which has spawned three series it's spawned a mini game it's got books there's tv series isn't there uh why you join the tv series good for you good for you um you just not watched have you no it doesn't i love the game i mean the witcher 3 i sunk so many hours into that just once you get you don't have to do the quest you just just walk around the world awesome yeah well they have announced a what they call is a new uh, a new entry into the Witcher world, isn't it? They haven't stated yep. that it's The Witcher 4. They haven't said no. that it's a sequel to The Witcher 3. All they have said and um, is that it's a new game in the Witcher universe, or words to that effect, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which I think they post on you know Twitter and other places, uh, the, the Witcher logo, which is the, the wolf medallion, uh, and it said, uh, yeah. you know, a new saga begins. Uh, of course, everybody... Instantly said, "Welcome to the Witcher 4. A bit like any time Valve say, says and say anything, and um, it's Half Life Three. It's Half Life Three, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, but what they've stated though is they've now come out and said that they are moving away, though, aren't they, from uh, the Red Engine, which was Red Engine, uh, yeah, which I want to say plagued Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and they're going to move to Carl Unreal Engine five. <laughs> If if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> but interestingly, they're going to be aiding in the tech development of the Unreal Engine, aren't they? That's what they yeah. said. Which I guess they've got a lot. Is to that work. good? Well, it probably is, isn't it? Given you know, given you know who what they do and their experience in building game engines, they probably have got a lot to offer here. And given you know their specialty is open worlds, probably yeah, yeah. Know, this could be pretty good. And you think you know. What you could give out? What was the recent um, the tech demo, the Matrix tech demo, wasn't it? That was oh yeah, that was very cool. Real. Yeah, you know, imagine another. I mean, do you remember the Matrix game? You know. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. You know that was great. It, imagine if that had the open world playability of, say, The Witcher. Yeah, oh, that'd be awesome! Awesome. Just oh, don't yeah. let 
CD Projekt Red do the QA? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, they, I walked into that, didn't I? <laughs> I'm but still yeah, wondering when we're going to get The Witcher 4 or whatever. Because I mean, it took them eight years to do Cyberpunk, and that wasn't actually ready, was it? On release. So maybe we'll see it in 2030. Well, maybe so. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll be playing with my grandkids, you know. But mind you, I suppose if they're not having to build a new engine. Well, that might save them some time. Yeah, I I reckon it might see it maybe four years. Yeah, I was going to say that might save them quite a chunk of time. Um, But again, whether it will be The Witcher 4, I don't know, because they said that, you know, the storyline with Gerald was done. This is a new saga, doesn't it? Yeah, so it could be another it could be another character, but we'll see. But yeah, definitely exciting news and one that I'm keen to have. So then Carl, there is no tech ramp rumor mill this week, um, because we thought that the lapse of yeah, situation couldn't find was... any rumors either. No, no, you know, the lapse of situation was also quite big. We wanted to cover that in detail. But I thought what we'd talk about um and kind of have a bit more of a light-hearted approach was a kind of a recap on you know Star Trek Discovery season four, which is now wrapped. Yep. And, of course, Picard Season 2, which is now, what, three episodes in, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So, without too much of a spoiler, um, what's, you know, what's your view on you know, uh, Discovery Season 4, then, as it's now done and dusted? This is an interesting one. I think it was a bit different from the, the other seasons. It was a... I want to say it was a bit slower. And quite a kind of classic Next Generation vibe to it. A lot of diplomacy... Happy feelings, trying to fix the entire universe, kind of thing. Um, I say it was a bit slow. I still really enjoyed it though. I know you had a lot of questions. I think you might think too much about what's going on. I just sat back and enjoyed it. <laughs> I have that problem. I can't. I just question everything. It's like... just disengage the brain, Jane. Just enjoy it. <laughs> I can't do it. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you sitting there on a whiteboard trying to map it all out. No, it just doesn't work. I, I, I mean, with, yeah. So I think this series of this series of discovery kind of invoked for me elements of um, uh, Voyager. Um, yeah. With 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 new with new species, you know, new projects. It had you know it flashed back to the original series where they crossed the galactic barrier. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah. You know, this whole areas here and i think also the character development we've really seen burnham come full full circle uh in yep. in her in her life and the same with the other characters as well you know we're starting to see romantic interests with saru um you know and and people the other characters are people like detmer and, and that as well and they, you know so really have rounded out i think now we're four series in discovery has got a place up there alongside the classic and well-established Star Trek series, don't you think? I think it has, and I think they've set the scene nicely for season five. I imagine it going kind of a bit more traditional Star Trek and go off and exploring the galaxy and maybe beyond, you know, the galactic barrier more if they can do that. Um, you know, they, they they beamed into when what was it the what century are they in? The thirty second century? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they can rewrite whatever they want, really. So yeah, they, they're kind of free to do that, but they, they beamed there and had a lot of issues in in that century, and they they fixed a large part of them. I don't want to give too much away. So I think it kind of sets the scene for season five, maybe some do a bit more exploring. Well, this is it, isn't it? The, the Federation re-exists now, doesn't it? Um, it? Does yeah. After the you know the 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 series three ending, which we could you know the, the burn uh, and all that. Um, and it is back, you know, the Federation is back. Um, you know, there's been some trials and tribulations that uh, 
are being talked about a lot in this series and, and what comes from that. But what we're seeing here, as you, as you say, is a kind of, you know, for them to go off and explore, you know, and do what Star Trek does best, which is, you know, have episodic, you know, episodic storylines, um, you know, single contained, um, you know, adventures, but obviously have a wider story arc above that. Um, and I and think I it think, could yeah. do with some more of those, yeah, those kind of self-contained ones. That because you know, I said season four was a bit slow in places because it was all really one big story arc. So yeah, if we could have some more of those contained ones, I think that would help things along. Like the classic um, Star Trek Next Generation stuff, where you'd have a story a week kind of thing, but then occasionally the, the, the double part episode, wouldn't you? Yeah, there'd be a thread underneath, you know, of the long term story. But yeah, there'd be. Um, uh, yeah, there'd be kind of you know this week they beam down to planet X Y Z and uh, <laughs> did whatever they needed to do there, wasn't it? And rescued it, and then off they beamed next week to somewhere else, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, I like all of that. So yeah, I, I think nicely done. Um, and yeah, I I can see this going on. I think definitely there's probably life in it for a few more series. Whether they'll whether they'll see what you know six or seven series out. You know what was what was a TNG eight series. Um, oh, I can't remember now. I mean, nearly well, ten years basically, wasn't it? You know, um, Voyager around, yeah. Voyager around for what uh, 90, 96 to 02 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, there's definitely room for that. But alongside that, of course, we have had Picard series season two kick off as well. Um, and again, that's that's uh, that's well, <laughs> if if Discovery has ventured into new territory in the thirty second century to basically. Mm. you know, have blank pages. Picard seems to be trying to rewrite the past. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I, I, I really, really enjoyed the first season. I mean, just because this is just kind of pulls all those nostalgia strings from my childhood. It's like reliving my childhood of Next Generation. There are so many um, you know, little references everywhere that if you've watched Next Generation, you pick up on. Uh, and I've just... Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. But that's because that's been my childhood. Whilst my wife's watched it and she much prefers Discovery. Picard, she doesn't really get at the moment. I think you're right. I think Picard <laughs> plays heavily on the nostalgia of TNG. Oh, they know they're so... doing it as well. And it, it, I fall uh, hook, line and sinker for it. Yeah, we, we are the main demographic for that. Anybody who watched TNG and the films um, yeah. and Voyager... Is is yeah. the the main audience that they are targeting with Picard, as you say, because it plays into all that. The characters are there, you know. You've got Picard, you've got Seven of Nine, you know. You had in the last one, you had Riker, you had Troy, you had Data. Forge, Data, and everyone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're right there. Um. And you know, again, the it has started off with a blockbuster of a of a kickoff, wasn't it? Series two. There, there are um, several big characters here from the past and I, I don't want to give them away because we'll just spoil it and uh, i think you need to see them for yourselves if you're going to watch it but yeah definitely they're, definitely they're, they're the ones i've been missing and waiting for yeah i think so the story arc though you know um i, I think we can say is a time travel arc that's you know easy it is yeah to say um but it's even the way they do that is is like the history books it's a very interesting spin, isn't it, on on what's happening here in, in terms yeah. of uh, the spin there. But yeah, very good, you know, getting off there. And what we're also seeing is the, just to kind of, I guess, close out then, is we've had the first trailers drop for Strange New Worlds, haven't we? 
which comes out we in May. Um, and you know, Strange New Worlds is going to showcase start the uh, the Enterprise on its first five year journey. Isn't it? Yeah, it's maiden voyages with, with, with um, uh, Pike. So this is kind of the real pre the pre storylines before the original series, and setting us up to taking you know effectively teeing up Kirk, isn't it? And and going yeah. from there. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a great show. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, mm. I'm not sure what they're showing with this one. The trailer looked good, but I only heard that I think he's only around for a season one, and then season two there's someone else in it. So, like you say, is that going to be Kirk? And are we then treading on? I don't know. The original Do we series, want to aren't we, ruin then? the original series with someone being recast as Kirk? I'm nervous about this one. I am. I think you know the. If you think about um, the storyline of Kirk, isn't it? Is that um, the original series starts, but the, he he was in charge before the original series started, wasn't it? Because he took over from Pike. Yeah. There was there was a whole backstory, wasn't there, of what happened with Pike, uh, which kind of hung over with like a bad smell. <laughs> um, but I'd like to see more of that, and you know the relationship they built. It played on it in um, the new Star Trek movies, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. Ike and Kirk and a relationship there. So it'd be good, I think, to know more about that and see that play out. So I don't know. But then are we going to have a third person playing Kirk? Because obviously you're not going to have um, uh, Chris Pine, are you? It's no. probably too big to put in there. Well, they've, already, they've already announced the Kirk actor. Oh, have they? Yeah. Um... I must have missed that one. Yeah, they did the the new Kirk. Um, uh, he because there was a there was a piece of the day where um, William Shatner, um, Paul Wesley, who was in the Vampire Diaries, he will join in season two. Oh, okay. and Shatner, Shatner apparently. Oh, him. Shatner, yeah, Shatner basically said, you know, good luck. Um, <laughs> you know sarcastically or no no i think it was like congratulations you know good luck on good luck on becoming uh you know okay hmm so this is now a third kirk we've got well yeah but you can't have william shatner that wouldn't work <laughs> no it's not i mean it would have been great to put chris pine in there i think well yeah definitely you know but um, i don't know oh yeah this one gets me apprehensive why is that then just be, no, just because it is it is touching very much and looks like it'd be stepping on the toes of uh, the original series. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I see, but yeah, I think you know it's uh, it's all to play for now, isn't it? With that, and I guess just to finish off the TV for tonight, then is the Boys season three comes out in July, isn't it? I think we were saying we worked out. Yeah, um, that is looking phenomenal. Um, they've kind of I do love well, the boys. I said they kind of, they have massively deviated from the comic books now, <laughs> um, which isn't yeah. a bad thing, but uh, and again, takes brutality to a whole new level. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But yes, that, that's something we'll be picking up in the summer. But yeah, I cannot wait for that. 
yeah, cool. Well, I think it's probably a that. good place for us to stop here tonight. We've yep. gone a bit long over, but there was a lot to talk about. So we'll be back next week for episode 81. I can't believe that. Um, you can, of course, find us online at Weekly Tech Rant uh, on uh Sorry, uh, yeah, at Weekly Tech Rant. I couldn't get the words out again. What's wrong with me? On Twitter, uh, we post all of our show notes and all of the links to all the stories we talk about on our webpage at techrant.online. And as always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So tell your friends, leave a comment, and yep, spread the word. So with that, I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good evening, all. <laughs>